Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. We got my good friend and business partner here in the Whale Club, Mr. Paul Sparks, out in the woods somewhere. And he's not only a very successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three years of your business, buy months and turn all the negative months to zero, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is one of our business partners, Mr. Dan Nicholson himself, the author of Rigging the Game. <clears throat> and Paul and I are here to help you achieve financial certainty through real estate by rigging the game in your favor. I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information here on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you will take consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And uh, as Paul and I speak, you might hear us say some things that don't quite feel right. It might sound like we're talking a different language. That's okay, right? Just all we ask is that you keep the loop open and be receptive to some of the things that we talk about. And the title for today's show is Using Certainty Tools to Go from Flipping to Developing. Now, before we do that, let's go into our six-word updates. Well, I am in the mountain, Steve, and uh, and my my six word up to date today is mountain air is good for the soul. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So everything is hunky dory up there. It's not too cold. Nothing like that. Man, it's probably 70 degrees out right now. It's great. Uh, this is a, a, a short term rental that we have here in southwestern Colorado, and it's just been rented, you know, like crazy all winter. Uh, it's been so much snow out here all winter. So, you know. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm a big skier. And when it snows, I want to go ski. But of course, it's kind of hard to turn down, you know, a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Uh, my six word update is a lot shorter. Uh, it's uh, great. Back it, to the mountains. Is uh, authorship is ownership, you know, and this is one of the things I'm learning a lot with leadership is just having them come up with a plan is a plan that will get executed. If I hand Paul the plan, how well is it going to get executed? If Paul hands me the plan, it gets executed. So authorship is ownership. It's something that Ren says all the time. Someone that's a new member of the Whale Club. And it just, every time he says it, it's like, man, that's such a good line. So, all right. So for today's show, what's the problem that we all run into? Um, you know, I think for a lot of us as business owners, probably more so in real estate than any other industry, I can't say 100% certain, uh, but we build a business that we don't actually want right we build a business like oh i like what he's doing let me do some of that oh i like what he's doing too let me do some of that oh that also looks awesome let's do a little bit of that and then we build a business that you go by several years later and wonder to yourself what was i doing this whole time and i actually experienced this personally when i read rich dad poor dad nowhere in a book does it say become a realtor and I called the nine years I was a realtor from reading Rich Dad Poor Dad to actually buying houses for myself. Those nine years, I called that the lost decade, right? Like, what the heck was I doing? I was playing someone else's game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just ask yourself, like, how did we get here? You know, it's like <laughs> Frankenstein in the, in the real estate business, right? Like, you just start adding all these things over time because you see somebody else doing it. And of course, you have the best of intentions. You're trying to build this business and get we think that we're trying to get closer to what we want, but oftentimes we build businesses. And I'm going to talk about today, like the mistakes that I made as well. It sounds like you did that 
too. I mean, we, we all do this, you know, so this is no, there's, there's no shame here. We, we all make these mistakes in business. And I just think we want to talk about today how you can build a business that you actually want, not build the business that someone else tells you, or um, you see somebody else doing it and you react, but build a business that you actually want playing your game. Yeah. So let's talk about why, why does this happen exactly? Is it, I mean, is it the, the comparison game? Is it the, the wanting? Is it because we're, we're, we're so new, we don't even know what is the right first, first, second, and third step? What is it that causes us to, to do this? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, well, I would say there's, there's probably two or three things. Um, one is lack of clarity. You don't actually know what it is that you want. And, you know, when you start in real estate, that may be true. You may just not know what you like and what you don't like. And that's totally fair. Um, like a newborn, so, not a newborn, like a toddler, right? Like, do they like carrot sticks or do they like uh, uh, little dino nuggets? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, we don't know what we like. So we start trying some things mm -hmm. totally, you know, part of the, the part of the certainty system we, we reference, we say, take micro steps. Another thing that our, one of our mentors, Dr. Jeff Spencer says is soft offense, mm -hmm. right? So we, we did a, we did a show, I don't know, a few months back on Jenga. Um, and this idea, like you picture Jenga and, you know, you'd be a really bad Jenga player if you just walked up to that tower of blocks and just mashed one of them without sort of lightly tapping on the blocks. But that's what we do to ourselves inside of business sometimes. Right. Absolutely. So not quite sure what we want. Um, I mean, and I would just I mean, speak from my own experience, right? Like reading Rich Dad Poor Dad sometime in 2005, 2006, and then getting into real estate. The directions were basically buy assets, that cash flow. Yep. That was the strategy. There were no tactics. There were no clear definition. There wasn't like make a giant amount of active income so you can buy properties that provide passive income. There wasn't um, keep a W-2 job because you're bankable and buy cash flow assets. There wasn't really a lot of direction. It was kind of like, hey, buy, passive, uh, buy assets and have more assets and liabilities. And that was basically like, okay, this is the manual. <laughs> Get out there and go figure it out. What a great, great marketing message that was, right? <laughs> and because I think all of us bought that hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Right? Hey, if you can just collect enough passive income through rental properties, then you can stop working. Wow, that sounds really attractive. Um, but yeah, you know, as I think about, I'm, you know, sort of making some notes here. Three, three reasons why maybe we we fall into this trap, building a business that we don't actually want. First is we don't have clarity on what we want. And again, that's understandable. Anytime we do something new, maybe we don't know exactly what's going to get us there, but we need to know what there means, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what, when we reference the solvable problem, that's what we're getting at here. It's not saying exactly how we're going to get there. We want to keep options open, optionality really high. But we got to know what what is the life that we want to live look like? What are we willing to trade? What are we not willing to trade? Um, how much money do we need in order to live the life that we want? Getting clear on things like that without defining too far in advance what it needs to look like. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing is we, we sort of lack clarity. The second thing is we're, we're not 
accounting for what we call biases. So, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of us realize that we don't always make perfect decisions. What? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't always make perfect decisions. And it's maybe easy to reflect and say, yeah, of course, I've, I've made bad decisions and I don't always make perfect decisions. But for some reason, we're not accounting for that in the equation as we make future decisions, right? So we're all biased. We're all biased. I mean, me in particular, like FOMO, woo, all time high for me. I see somebody else doing something and they're like further along in their career or something like this. And I want to catch up. Mm -hmm. Or if I don't take this deal, maybe there's not going to be another one the next day. Um, also things like comparison. You mentioned that just comparing yourself to other people. And well, it's like the kid who didn't want to play with the toy until another kid picks it up and starts playing with it. And now you're like, well, Hey, that's my toy. I right. want that too. Um, you know, and we have, there's, there's dozens and dozens of these biases. And that's again, something that we help people understand about themselves in the whale club, because again, part of getting clarity, not just on what you want, part of that includes knowing yourself at a very deep level, not necessarily saying we want to like try to, I'm a big fan of playing to your strengths, but you've got to know where you're weak and you've got to account for those things in the equation. Because if you're expecting that you make the best decisions logically towards what you want all the time, we just know that that's not true. Well, especially, I mean, we had this on one of our whale club calls, right? One of the members like, yeah, what I realize in evaluating my, all my biases is that I make all my decisions when I'm emotionally charged. Yeah. And then I have to make up ground to undo all those decisions when I, that I made when I was emotional. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's different for everybody. <clears throat> and part of what keeps, I think a lot of people, what kept me from playing my own game was just not recognizing that, not recognizing that you do this, Paul, and let's account for that in this equation. You know, it was like hopping from thing to thing, the next course, the next, magic bullet that's going to get me what I want, you know, quote. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, you know, I, I not having clarity, not knowing your biases. And then lastly, we, a lot of us, we just don't have the right toolbox to actually make better decisions. So you know what you want, you know where you're weak and where you're vulnerable to poor decision-making, but what are you using going forward to actually help you make better decisions deciding should i do this should i do that should i should i hire this person should i not should i even be flipping houses like do i even like this yeah. or was i just doing this because i thought it was a great way to make money a year ago but knowing what i know now i wouldn't do it i would do something <clears throat> else but we get so attached to the decisions that we make and yeah. so i look at it as three things we don't have a solvable problem we don't have clarity we don't actually recognize where we're biased and, and account for that in the equation. And we don't have a toolbox to navigate the terrain, right? We're looking for the roadmap. Like, just tell me the directions, the exact mm -hmm. direction so I can get there. But we know that that that's not reality. You have to, you have to be able to read the terrain, right? And that's why I like the sort of the analogy of a toolbox. Cause I think of it like, when you show up on site to do work on a job or something like this, you never, you don't know exactly what tools you're going to need. Yeah. And that's life. You need a toolbox to navigate the uncertainty that exists. And, and I think that's 
the three things that I would say contributed to me building a business that I didn't actually want. Yeah. So I want to go back into that. But before we do that, just real quick, just kind of finishing what I was sharing earlier was I call it the lost decade. So how did I, how did I get into the lost decade? I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I knew I needed to buy assets. I'm working at Intel, making 60, 70K a year at this point. <clears throat> I get a raise, a promotion to a raise. I'm making 85K plus benefits and all these other things, right? Fun stuff. And as I'm buying assets per the book, I meet a realtor. And this realtor is like, oh, yeah, I'm like 100K. And I just talk to people all day. That's all I do. It's like, you just talk to people and you make 100K. And just that one thing changed, changed everything, right? So I quit my job, became a realtor. And for nine years, like I said, I was just focused on the realtor side. So that was, I don't know which bias that is, but that was definitely the, the, the comparison, uh, 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 comparison game at play there for me. So how did you go from let's buy assets to flipping houses? The same way we all do, right? It's the same way that we all do. Someone shows us a way to make more money than what we're making now. Mm -hmm. And our brain just flips and we're like, Ooh, well, I guess I have to do that now. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know. It's a good question. Like it's probably a better question for a behavioral psychologist, <laughs> but like, I just know that it was true for me. But you already, you already had, you had a W2, you're traveling across the country, selling big contracts, right? You were the whale hunter. You were selling big contracts. You already had assets, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. there was something that compelled you to quit whatever you were doing, stop whatever you were doing. And start flipping houses. Well, and and I, I didn't have enough passive income, right, to really live the life that I need. So I said to myself, "Well, I got to I got to figure out how to make big chunks of cash," and that's still true. And I and I want to preface this by saying, like, a lot of people use flipping and wholesaling as a stepping stone to the next level. Yeah. Right. I just feel fortunate that I didn't get consumed by that, and I was able to sort of pull out of it quickly enough where it didn't like dominate. So again, this is not like saying this is not, there's flipping and wholesaling is not um, wrong, right? The, the, the thing is that we're trying to, I think, get across here. It's all about playing your game and knowing what you, what your game is. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Steve, because uh, yeah, maybe it makes sense to tell a little bit about my background. I'm an engineer by trade, just like you. I got uh, out of school and realized I did not want to be an engineer. Not only did I not want to be one, I was not very good at it. Um, but what I was really good at was selling to engineers because I could speak the language. So my first job out of college, I was selling little like lasers and cameras and things like this to manufacturers. And they would take this stuff, they would put it on their manufacturing line, they would use it to automate the process, right? Take a look at a can or something and make sure that the little tab is on there or make sure that the top is screwed all the way down or measure something with a laser, things like this. So we were selling products that were between, let's say, $1,000 and $5,000. And I started out kind of doing a volume-based thing and realized, like, I hated that. What I ended up finding was that I had a much better skill set at building large business cases and selling big deals. And so I went in that job from sort of selling a lot of transactions into big deals. The competitor recruited me, pulled me into a kind of a different industry, logistics. I ended up working with airlines and um, 
you know, uh, like United Airlines, <clears throat> Amazon, Walmart, companies like this. And they, they hired me because what I was really good at was, was putting together really large business cases, you know, and it would, again, that my skill set was not to bring in a deal every single month. It was like one giant deal at the end of the year, bam, whale hunter stuff, you know, right. Yeah. That's what my boss called me as the whale hunter. And so that, that, that is me. That was me playing my game. I, I gave a, a talk last week at uh, uh, the Certainty Summit with Dan and was sort of showing some pictures of me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was the pitcher. I was the guy that take the last shot. Like I want the ball in my hand. I want the bigger stakes. And I still played, I got to playing business that same way. But when I got into real estate, for whatever reason, I got out of that mentality and started looking at YouTube videos and seeing all these people who were like, you could wholesale a house and make 50, 50 grand. You could flip a house and make a hundred grand. And if you, you know, do vol in, everybody had volume-based businesses, right? It was right. like how to scale, how to bring in all this marketing and lead managers and acquisitions managers. And I don't know why, but I got bought into that. I think it had a lot to do with my biases, not mm-hmm. recognizing where I was weak. Um, and so I ended up building that business for almost two years and I got to the end of two years. This was middle of last summer and just, just did not like that volume game. And Dan was able to point out through this process of learning certainty and all these things that like, I don't know why I'm building a volume based business. My game is whale hunting, big deals. And that was the first time the light bulb flipped. And I was like, why did I do that? I switched this domain. I, I went from, you know, an engineering world into a real estate world. And for some reason, I just lost all, um, you know, uh, understanding really what it was that I did well. I just started playing other people's games. Why? Because I didn't have clarity. I went in and I didn't actually account for all of those things inside of the equation. Yeah. So then we're talking about from flipping to developing. What were the things that kind of like popped off to help you realize that? I mean, obviously Dan pointed a couple of those, a couple of those things out, but for everyone that's listening right now that may not feel like they're playing their game, what are some of those things that like, oh, obviously, why did yeah. I see that? Well, for one, I'm a relationship-based salesperson. That's what I, you don't sell to Amazon and United Airlines like these are, it's not like you're selling to one person. It's not like wholesaling, like you're buying a house from somebody and it's a transactional based business is what that is. Yeah. Whereas there, there are some aspects of relationship <clears throat> building. I get it. A lot of people will use realtors and things like this to bring them relationship deals. Big fan of that. Um, you know, but yeah, I just started realizing that I was a relationship guy and this whole try to do four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 deals a month. It's just not my style. I was always the guy that wanted one big deal, two or three big deals a year. And that was it. And so, you know, what I, what I decided was that I'm going to start making some changes inside of my business. And we were flipping, we were wholesaling. Like I said, I think we did like 35 deals or something like that in 2022. And First thing I had to do was get away from the marketing, right? It was just like a $40,000 a month over that I had inside my business. 
And that stressed me out. And all I was doing was I was, I was trapped to that because if I didn't do deals, we were going to lose a ton of money. So I, I, I had no choice but to engage with that. Yeah. But we do have a choice. Right? Well, we the, do have a choice. And that's the obligations that, Ms., uh, that's that right. Dr. Jeff Spencer talks about. Yeah. And also, again, let me preface this. This is my game. Some people are operationally excellent. Like they are great at managing a complicated system. I'm just not. I need very, very simple relationship-based businesses. And I realized that I just, that's not what I was building. I had only built that because I saw other people building it and it was working for them. Um, and again, like there's nothing wrong with wholesaling, right? I wholesale, I still wholesale, right? I think we got uh, 200, 250 on the board, right? Uh, at, at this exact moment <clears throat> between Phoenix and Tucson combined. Yeah, I, wow. I, I love... I love the game of wholesaling. I love marketing. I love sales. Uh, mm -hmm. Where I would say is my strength was I was really good one-on-one -on -one with one individual for one transaction. Unfortunately, by nature, I am more transactional, right? That's just kind of my, my nature. I am not the relationship guy. I am not going to be hanging out, flying out, seeing every month, like playing golf with you and talking about your kids. This is why I was a lousy realtor, right? But I was really good at executing with one person at a time. As I grew an organization, uh, what I've come to realize is I'm really lousy in leading a few people, particularly salespeople. That's why I partnered with Ren <laughs> to learn how to manage salespeople, right? But I have also realized as we've gotten bigger, I really love leading leaders, mm. right? Having uh, having multiple business units and having a leader manage each business unit and then coaching them directly, man, that is so fun for me. I know that probably sounds crazy for some people, right? But that's me playing my game. So yeah, just for everyone that's listening, right? We're not saying there's anything wrong with wholesaling. I happen to love wholesaling. It's just for Paul right now, his game is not to do high volume wholesaling. Yeah, and this I, this episode <clears throat> is going to cause people to compare. Right. Yeah. They're going to hear that. This is what me talking about what my game is. And I guarantee you, somebody's going to hear this and think, well, I want that. Right. You got to ask yourself again. It, it's all about like, what does Sun Tzu say? Know yourself and know your enemy and you can fight a thousand battles with, without peril. Something like that. Yeah. The point is, is do we really know what our game is? Are we willing to like do the work to, to find that, to dig that stuff up? Um, because again, I think that success is defined individually you know if you define success as being uh you know the best wholesaler in whatever your market is good on you there's there is there that's kind of the point right mm -hmm. is like i realize that when i see all these other people like steve trang and um wholesalers across the country a lot of them are playing their game and they're very happy they love their businesses mm -hmm. right well great and these are also a lot of the ones who have products to teach you about what they're doing, right? <laughs> and great, but what they don't tell you is that this is my game mm -hmm. and it works for me because I'm playing to my strengths and I'm playing my game. If it's not your game, it may not work for you. Right. Not everyone's willing to admit that. <clears throat> well, and, it, and, and you see the evidence right now, right? Like when wholesaling was easy, which it was for the last three years, 
I don't shock. I still don't understand why, but it was really easy the last three years, right? Uh, prior to middle of last year, uh, everyone was a wholesaler, right? Yes. Just like everyone was a realtor, everyone was a wholesaler, everyone was an expert at something, right? And we had all these courses, right? Everyone was a guru as well. Now that times are hard, you're finding out who is actually passionate about this, who actually loves this. Because there are a lot of people like, hey, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm out. Right? This is like, a, what is it? Uh, it's like a Shark Tank, right? Hey, for these reasons, this doesn't work for me. I'm out. And we're seeing a yeah. lot of people self-eliminating <laughs> uh, themselves out of this industry at the moment. Yeah. I also think it's okay to try some stuff, right? Maybe you don't know what your game is in real estate. You've, you've, maybe you've, you've done the work, but you don't know exactly. We talk about the case framework, right? Collect, analyze, strategize, execute. You've taken the time to collect what your solvable problem is, your strengths, your weaknesses, you've analyzed it. And then you identify some strategies that might align with that. But part of what we talk about in the certainty operating system is to micro step yeah. and get some data back. And so it's okay to go try wholesaling for a certain amount of time and then say, you know what, this just isn't for me. Like I don't, this is not what I want. Problem is we get very attached to the decisions that we make. We talk about naming the puppy all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what we mean. You've named the puppy and it's like, I'm a wholesaler. Like, as opposed to saying, I'm trying for a little while to see how I like it. That's a very different mindset to approach something. Absolutely. So I think, so there's a few things here again. And we, we, we've, we've said this so many times, but it, it bears repeating, right? So first and foremost, you got to be very clear on what it is you truly want, right? And we, we go back to the solvable problem, right? Part of it, a big chunk of it is figuring out your big why and then figuring out what you need passively, reliably, sorry, not passively, reliably to be able to achieve your solvable problem. So that's the first thing. Second thing then is identifying your preferences. And this is what we're talking about, the biases and this and that, right? Paul is a deep relationship guy, right? Um, I don't know if Paul was the life of the party in college. I imagine he probably was. Myself, I was not. <laughs> I was not the life of the party, right? Um, so I think with that, right, Paul is more relationship-oriented. I am more um, don't talk to me unless we're talking about, some, unless we're talking about something that we're going to do together where we're going to conquer something. Like, don't talk to me. Right. But these are these show up not just in day to day conversations. This shows up in your business. Right. Mm -hmm. And by the way, your business, like it or not, is a direct reflection of you. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you build a business like we say, like the best thing about real estate is that there's a million ways to do it. So I had a conversation with someone I look up to a lot. Right. So I'm a, I had a conversation with him, Mr. Phil Green in San Diego. And I was telling, man, I'm doing this, this, and this to improve execution, right? Like, here's why I'm, I'm super excited about this, right? He's like, what do you mean your team has tasks that are overdue? Like, yeah, I mean, like, they don't always get done. He's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like, we have a lot of tasks, and we have these things, and sometimes they slip. And it, it, it just didn't make sense to him, right? <laughs> because he's the kind of person where they're going to drive, and they're going to execute, and there's, like, no excuses. Whereas I'm more of the... Well, okay, well, you weren't, you got overloaded. Okay, oh, you have family. All right, fine. Like, we'll just push it back a few days, right? <laughs> I'm more understanding. But this, your business really is designed around your preferences. And if you're not building a business around your preferences, 
there are gonna days where you, there are gonna be days where you dread going to the office. There's gonna be days where you hate what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the happiest people, the most successful people are the ones that play their game the best. They know their preferences, they align with them, they're mm-hmm. playing to their strengths, but they also know where they're weak, right? And they stay away from that stuff, right? They account for that inside the equation. Um, and some people are going to be better executors. Some people are going to be relationship-based. Some people are going to have other strengths. Um, and again, we talk, we've talked um, on previous shows about seeking consensus mm-hmm. too early in the process. And that's what we mean is the, the problem is we don't have clarity on all that stuff. We haven't defined what success truly means for us. And then we go start asking other people, what should I do? Tell me what I should do. But unless that person knows you, as like a personal coach or like a parent or a really close friend, at best, they're going to give you generalized advice or advice relative to their strengths. Yeah. You ask Steve Trang what, I mean, now we know how to answer that question, right? <laughs> yeah, if you depends. asked me last year. Yeah, it always depends. Yeah. But like, if you ask some of the best people in the industry, what should I do? They're going to tell you, well, hopefully they tell you to play your strengths, but I think a lot of them will tell you, well, this is what worked for me. And of course, in our brain, we associate with that was, well, this is what I should do. They don't say this is what works for me. They say, this is what works. Right. Yeah. This is what works. This is what we know works as if it's the perfect solution for everybody. Right. Right. And if what we're talking about here, like, creates any kind of dissonance kind of discomfort and maybe you're like the back of your hair is going up a little bit you got some goosebumps um you know what paul is doing right now is offering some insight right if you want to get a little bit clear on your preferences if you want to get clarity on the solvable problem just schedule a call with paul realestatecertainty.com and from there you know hopefully you guys can get a little clarity again on your solve problem your preferences your biases and figure out, right, are you playing your game or not? Because if you're not playing your game, you know, we had Jamil on the show on Wednesday, and he said the same exact thing that we talk about on this show. You only get one shot on this planet. Why not live your best life with that one shot? Mm-hmm. So, well, and this isn't some rah-rah thing, meaning, like, I'm not just going to get on. Like, what I have are some actual tools, mm-hmm. like some very specific tools, frameworks. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all about here uncertainty talks right and inside the whale club is like to give you the actual tools because as we said it's the problem is we don't have clarity we haven't identified our biases and we don't have the right tools in our toolbox to do these we just weren't taught this stuff i didn't know about it until i learned about it from dan on rigging the game right going through that process with him that's why i was so attracted to it because nobody's talking about stuff like this like this you're not going to hear this from the other gurus out there. They might say it, but they don't have a toolbox that you can use and implement inside of your life to do it. Yeah. I mean, another thing too is, you know, they might not have these tools and they might not be aware of these tools. Um, and I would say there's probably a handful of people that have been in the business long enough where they figure this out. But most yes. people are probably still in the first first two or three decades where they're still... <laughs> Uh, finding their way. So let's go back to them, right? Flipping and developing. Mm-hmm. Getting into developments right now. How is 
developments versus flipping a contributing to you moving closer to you solve a problem versus more and how does this play to your preferences yeah so i got clear that like okay my game is not a volume based transactional business my game is big deals big relationships um and when i got clear on that the first thing you have to do is recapture the resources that that you put out there again as an investor um it makes sense we've heard of this term stop loss it means stop doing things that are getting you further away from what you want mm-hmm. take those resources and just stop do you know how hard that was for me to cut a forty thousand dollar a month business down to like three grand and and you know re completely reorient the business yeah and have to tell my sales team we don't have a sales team anymore yeah um that uh we're turning off all the marketing and we're switching to a personal branding strategy because that's going to allow me to play to my strengths which is relationships right i want to work i don't want to work directly with sellers because that's a very oftentimes it turns into a transactional volume based business mm-hmm. i want to work with people investors. I want to work with private lenders. I want to work with, um, you know, people that allow me to play more towards a business to business type of sale as a, as opposed to a B to C, you know, business to consumer type of sale. And so first thing I did is I recaptured all the energy and time, money and stuff I was spending on stuff that wasn't getting me closer. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard thing to do. And that back to naming the puppy. It's really hard. We talk about the investor frame. I have a whole podcast called The Investor Frame. The investor frame says, knowing what I know now, because things change, preferences change, and I reserve the right to change my mind. So knowing what I know now, would I choose to opt into my current business, my current situation? So if, you know, your business is worth half a million dollars and I gave you half a million dollars today, would you buy your business back with it or would you take that money and do something else with it? And if the answer is no, then you need to ask yourself, okay, then what needs to change in order to make that so? Mm -hmm. And if you can't change anything about it, then you just need to get rid of it. Right. And it's tough. It's tough. Especially, you know, you got issues where you've named that puppy. Hey, I'm a wholesaler or I'm a flipper, right? You've been telling people, oh, yeah, I'm Paul Sparks. I'm a flipper. I flip houses. You got any ugly houses? I flip them, right? You're telling everybody. So there's your identity, right? Yeah. Then there's obligations, right? Like you hired people with the intent to help them grow. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to, you know, have a difficult conversation with your with your organization, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to fight the name of the puppy. You got to fight uh, uh, obligations. What else did you have to fight to make the shift? My biases, because my biases were telling me like. You know, Dr. Jeff calls this the human mindset, which is just that little voice in your head that just says, are you going to, is this going to actually work? Are you going to be okay? It's the anxiety that we feel like, but if I cut all my marketing and switch to a personal branding strategy, how am I going to get deals? What, how is this going to work? I, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, uh, and of course the biases start flooding in the doubt, the anxiety, all these different things, they play such a ma- massive role in your decision-making, which is why you've got to have clarity on what success means to me. 
And because success was not a transactional based volume business, I said, well, it can't get any worse than building a business that I don't actually want. Yeah. Right. So if I define success as the relationships, the quality of the relationships that I have, not necessarily the money and the volume of deals that are coming in, but because I define success as like our relationship, Nick and Dan's relationship with, you know, Dr. Jeff, all the people inside the whale club, all the people that I have close relationships with as investors, I I'm getting paid, but I'm not getting paid. I'm getting paid in the currency I want to get paid in. Yeah. Which is relationships. Again, when you have, when you define that differently, it's not all about money because we know that relationships can lead to a very, uh, people do business with people they like. Right. And you know, there's something and so that, and what you're saying here, and it reminds me, you know, um, you know, Pace Morby is, is a friend and he talks about like, everything I do is for one thing and one thing only. And it's emotional income. Hmm. All emo like I do everything for emotional income, right? Like I know everything else would be fine if I'm getting emotional income. Uh, right. Which is, you know, a go giver, right. If you help enough people no, if the, the your, your compensation is directly related to how many people you help. Uh, you got um, uh, Zig Ziglar, right? You can have anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. So, you know, for you, it's relationships. Um, so I want to ask you a question. It's a little bit di different, right, than what we're talking about at the moment. When you and I first connected, you were very clear, Steve, I do not want to do social media. I do not want to do video content and this and that. Mm -hmm. Was that a preference? Or was it discomfort? And now you're, you've found out this is your preference. It was a bias. I think I saw the way that a lot of people were doing social media. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is not my game, right? But I sort of assumed that everybody that does social media is doing it that way. It all comes back to playing your game, right? I, right. I also had, um, I had never done it before. And so I was making a judgment on whether I would like it or not by saying, well, I see other people doing things like, again, it's the same thing. Like, I don't want a wholesaling business, but uh, I see that now at the time I saw it and I was like, "Ooh, well, I want that. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the opposite. In this case, I saw people that were doing it and I was like, I don't want that because mm -hmm. of the way they're doing it. Yeah. But when I gave my permission to take a micro step, which was at your and Dan's, you know, I wouldn't even say suggestion. It was like, we're going to push you, dude. Like mm -hmm. you're you get pushed into the pool here. And yeah. that's just it. Um, I took that micro step and I was like, right, I can do this playing my game. I don't have to play social media the way other people play it. And when I, it was just like this huge sigh of relief, right? You don't have to be the dancing monkey doing TikTok videos. Like that's not me. You know, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to talk about intellectual things because that's what I spend my time thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's what I care about. And I'm not interested in optimizing for how many views do I get? I'm interested in attracting the people in the relationships that I want. And they're going to resonate with the message if I just stay consistent and play my game. Yeah. So speaking about that, uh, Manny in our control room who's controlling the cameras and graphics and this and that. Awesome. Very lucky to have him. Uh, we have an agreement that if we can get to 100,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel by the end of the year, um, I'm going to be taking photos with his little Pomeranians. 
right? <laughs> so in a way, I want 100,000 subscribers, but in another way, I don't. So um, yeah, all your hesitations about social media, I might be doing those things. It's because you're playing your game. Again, it's not a right or wrong thing. I've just, I, what I've learned to appreciate about anybody who does social media is like, if you're going to, it's really hard to put on a front for that like for a really long time with social media and you can tell the people who start on social media and then just stop because they realize like i'm not playing my game man like this is not for me and they but maybe they don't have the quite the language to describe why it doesn't fit Mm -hmm. it's because they're trying to make videos and do stuff like somebody else is doing they see somebody else doing it and they're trying to copy them right instead of just playing their game and being truly authentic to what they, they believe and feel and just say it with your chest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great Kevin Hart reference there. Uh, the, um, if you look at, you know, probably the epitome of playing a game of social media. And I know there's a tangent here is Gary V, right? Mm-hmm. Played his, he's played his game forever. So going back to this, um, so clear, clear on what you want, solve a problem to help you accomplish the clarity knowing your biases, and then once you identify your biases, building a business that aligns with your solvable problem and your preferences. Yeah, that's certainty. That's certainty. Right? That's, that's what certainty does, is it's the tools, the frameworks to think through this stuff. And again, Steve mentioned this, um, the power is in seeing it, And so this is part of why I'm going to be doing these. I don't know. We got to come up with a better name. We're just calling it certainty strategy sessions right Mm -hmm. now. Basically what it means is you can book a a 45 minute call with me and I'll walk you through some of these tools that you can use inside your business. You know, we have a whole podcast dedicated to this conversation because there's a lot to learn and implement. But if you want to learn how, how you can take some of these tools and apply it to your life, because again, what worked for me is, I can almost guarantee it won't work for you mm-hmm. because I learned how to play my game. So again, getting clear on that stuff, I, I'm more than happy to help go to realestatecertainty.com. You can you know click on the button there that just says free certainty strategy session. I'll set that up and we'll go through some of this, but you know, you social media, the changes that I made in my business, right? We started using the investor frame. Well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to opt into this? The answer is no. Um, I also took a lot, had to take a lot of faith and trust that by consistently playing my game, it would result in the outcome that I wanted. The process is the shortcut, yeah. right? If we, instead of focusing on how to, how to build the biggest business or how to get that big development deal, I just focused on the process, which is continue to build relationships, do it over and over, find ways to continue aligning with your authentic true self and what happened. Well, we stopped doing flips. We stopped doing wholesales. I think a lot of people want to go from flipping and wholesaling to development. And part of the reason why they can't is because the flipping and the wholesaling consumes all of their resources. They just, they don't have enough space in their life to allow for optionality, to allow for opportunities to find them. Because when you, when, when it has to go right, you don't have a lot of options and it's really tough to see that. So when I hear people say, well, I want to get into development, it's like, well, are you willing to stop wholesaling and flipping? 
Because unless you've got an ultra reliable business there that you can actually walk, we all say like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this wholesaling business up. We're going to make it super reliable. I'm going to hire a COO. They're going to come in and run the business and I'm going to exit. And like, then I can do whatever I want for the rest of my life. Well, guess what? It doesn't work like that. It takes a long time to get there decade or more in most cases the guys who you see doing that they've been doing this for a long time right we think that we're going to get there in three to five years it's like it's just not going to happen yeah you know if you if you want that identity you've got to clear space for it and i became clear i think from the get-go that i will never be a even a decent sized volume flipper right because that goes against everything that i'm good at and it is is absolutely consistent with everything i'm terrible at right Mm. i am not a visual person so you know white walls are totally fine you know my car you know it's embarrassing at times but i never clean my car i just don't care how things look so there's that lack of attention to detail i'm not gonna miss where you didn't um put the grout I'll never see it, right? The kitchen counter is not the right level. I will never see it. I'm just not a details person. So I can't, so I'm not a visual person. I'm not a details person. Managing contractors, good luck with that. I hate holding people accountable, right? This is what I was saying earlier when I was saying with, with Phil. He's like, what do you mean tasks don't get done, right? Like, yeah. Uh, right? So I'm horrible at holding people accountable. And then as a function of surviving 2007 through 2009, I saw how many, how much people lost everything when they had too many properties. So the idea of having all these money, all these private money, hard money situations out there is not something I can bear, right? 50,000 a month in hard money payments. I want zero part of that. So when people was like, why don't you flip? It's like, well, cause I'm not good at it. And they, they will challenge me on it. It's like, well, you can fix that. You just got to hire the right guy. And then having this conversation right now, I just had this epitome. It's like, okay, this is why I don't flip. I literally hate everything that is required to be a good flipper. Yeah. But everyone wants to tell you what you should do. That word should mm-hmm. gets a lot of us in trouble. Well, you should flip, Steve. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. Right. It's like maybe you should take the time to understand my preferences and mm-hmm. what I actually want before you start giving advice. Right. right? And that's the danger of seeking consensus Again, there's a lot of people who are willing to offer that advice. I'm here to say, like, if you don't have the right tools and mechanisms in your life to filter that stuff, you are going to be susceptible to it. I know that to be true because I was susceptible. I know you were. Like, we all are. This is the human brain that we were given. We didn't ask for. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, and something I used to say, you know, tongue-in-cheek, maybe a little disrespectfully, was... How about you do you and I'll do me? Mm-hmm. But in <laughs> talking about playing your game, that is the definition. Paul, how about you do you and, and Steve will do what Steve does. And we won't worry about what the other person's doing. Yeah, very easy said than done. It almost comes up cross like when you say that is like combative, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm here to tell you, like, if you don't. If you don't you wield that sword of like, you do you, I'm going to do me kind of thing, you're going to fall into this trap of, of your biases, whatever they are. You're going to fall into this trap of seeking consensus. Just tell me what I should do. What would you do if you were me? 
Yeah. Like, what does that have to do with anything? They have a completely different, you know, solvable problem and, you know, biases and all this sort of stuff. So how can they possibly give that to you unless they understand what your game is? Right. So I'm going to change my six word update to you do you, I'll do me. Uh, that's a good one. I like it. Yeah. But no, man, like the, the whole development thing for me was, I, I believe, I truly believe it's just a result of being willing to like, let go of what other people um, told me initially. And they weren't necessarily all being direct. Like I did this to myself. Don't get me wrong. I watched all the YouTube videos and said, <clears throat> I could make a bunch of money doing this. Let's just go for it. You know, let's start trying stuff. Um, fortunately, I got the right toolbox to be able to start recognizing where I was getting further away from what I actually wanted. And when I got clear on what success means, which is like, it's all about relationships for me. The money will follow. I have enough faith that the money will find you if you truly play your game and you know what success means because I was getting paid. Like we didn't do very many deals in the second half of the year. Imagine that you turn off the, the, the marketing spigot and deals stop finding you. And I hadn't built enough momentum with the podcast, the social media, the personal branding, all that sort of stuff. So it was this period of limbo where it's like, Ooh, you think that you want to, you want to test yourself, stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing and switch to the things that, you know, you define as success and then wait for six months and do it. Right. Because all I had to get a coach, I had to get the right people in my corner. It's very difficult to do that. So part of why I was able to go from flipping to developments is one, I knew what success meant to me. I recaptured all the resources that weren't getting me closer to that. And I reallocated it towards what, um, what would define success for me, what would uh, result in success for me. And then you just do the reps as Randy Massengale says, yeah. um, Repetition leads to intensity, leads to purpose, right? And a lot of us aren't willing to go back and call the, you know, uh, admit that the decisions we made might be getting us further away from what we want. Um, and, and in order to move to that level of success, I believe you've got to create space for it and you got to do the reps and you have to trust that like you're getting paid. You're getting paid in the in the currency that you have deemed the most important mm -hmm. and trust the process because the process is the shortcut. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, guys, if this is resonating and this is hitting in a, in a way that you're uncomfortable or you're like, oh, crap, I do need a little more clarity, you know, and you've been listening and you haven't taken enough action yet. Like I said, you know, talk to Paul, talk to him four or five minutes and he'll help you get clarity more clarity than more clarity than where you are today. I can promise that. So anything else we got to say before we wrap up? I don't think so. I'm going to go uh, on a hike with my wife after this. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into the woods again. Yeah. Get that, get that. Was it clean air? What was it? Mountain air. Mountain, mountain air. air. Yeah. Mountain air. Yeah. I just came up from uh, the mountains myself up in Prescott and um, yeah, I'm not an outdoors person. It's not. It's my preference. <laughs> Wi-Fi. I don't know how it would have survived in the 1800s. <laughs> play, play your game, man. That's that's how you find success. And for everybody listening, like like Steve said, I would love to show you some of the tools that I learned from Dan. I'm not making this stuff up, right? Like, I, sometimes I, I feel like, um, yeah, let me just 
preface all this, like none of this is my own doing. Like I was taught, I did not, it doesn't come embedded in our brains. Like we had, I had to learn all this stuff. Steve had to learn all this stuff. We have some really cool tools to share with you guys. That'll make this process a lot easier. Of course you could figure it out on your own. You could probably spend a lot of time, you know, working through this. We have the shortcut, right? We have the process to go through to, to get there with the least amount of risk, least amount of effort sort of thing. Absolutely. Perfect. So we'll wrap up here. Thank you guys all for watching. I'll see you guys on next week's episode of Certainty Talks.